Welcome to another of the Retire Notes podcast series. I'm Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and founder of the RetireNotes.com website. I'm in conversation with Anne Graham, CEO and Senior Financial Planner at Story Wealth Management. She's been recognised as one of the top 50 most influential financial advisors in Australia. Hey, thanks for being with us, Anne. Ah, thanks, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be here. The topic is about what has become known as the sandwich generation. What's meant by the sandwich generation? The sandwich generation is really interesting concept and um, it relates to people usually between the ages of 40 to 70 roughly where they're caught between caring for ageing parents and also their children. And an extension of the sandwich generation is the club sandwich generation where they're also looking after grandchildren. Whoa, that's quite a mix. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying up to 70, that's fairly old. Yeah, it could be. Um, That's just some stats. But, you know, you're, say, 70, you could have parents in their 90s. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, the kids, you may have had children later in life, so they could still be, you know, around 30, 35. Sure. This seems to be a growing issue. I think part of it, just longevity. So we're living longer and living longer doesn't always necessarily mean in great health. And people tend to stay in their homes longer as well. So they're not going to residential care. Yes. And on the other side of it, you've got the children staying at home longer due to education. You know, they're at school or university a lot longer than they used to be. Yes. Uh, The rising cost of housing. So they're staying at home to save money to buy a house. You also get adult children that might have moved away or travelled overseas and they come back and they stay at mum and dad's for a while while they get um, re-established. Yes, they do tend to come back. Yeah, the boomerang kids. The boomerang kids, <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah. So financially this would cause some issues, I'm imagining. It can do because with caring for older parents, Hmm. It might not be a financial cost directly, but certainly if you're taking time off work to do that, you might have a reduction in income. Also, it might mean that you retire a bit sooner because you don't just have the time to be able to look after the parents. And then on the flip side for the adult children, you might be providing them um, with a roof over their head and you're not charging board or rent or anything. Sure. So, yeah, it can impact financially, but sort of more indirectly, so you're not aware of it. Yeah. What kind of stresses does this put on retirees or those nearing retirement? It can be a time of anxiety because they want to spend more time, for example, with parents or or helping them with um, medical appointments, but they just can't. Sure. They also, sometimes with the kids or the grandkids, they might feel as if they're being taken advantage of, you know, for babysitting and and various other things. So it can cause some tension in the family. And and they might feel too that they've worked long and they want to retire, but they just can't do it for financial reasons. There's also the time factor, isn't there? And the freedoms that they were hoping to have as they've gotten older. That's right. So people looking forward to retirement and those in retirement often want to travel. You know, they haven't had the opportunity to do that while they've been working. And yet it's difficult to travel for any length of time if you're caring for people that have health issues or a bit frail. So it can certainly impact on lifestyle in retirement. Yeah. Among your clients, what kind of stories are they telling you? It's fairly consistent, actually, that they, they really want to help. They want to help their parents or kids. So if we're focusing on the elderly parents, they tend to be taxi service, taking them to appointments. Most of them don't resent it though, you know, they just feel it as a natural kind of part of life and and responsibility and in fact they 
generally want to do more of it, but they just don't have the time. Yes. When they're helping out the children, so when I say children, I'm talking of, you know, young adults, 20s, even in their 30s that are still at home. Sure. They kind of want the kids to have an independent lifestyle and, you know, have their own experiences. They want to be able to help financially, but often my job is to go through their situation and just point out the pros and cons and whether or not they can actually afford to help the kids get into a home. Okay. Uh, and that can be, um, you know, it can be difficult for them. Yes, yes. Let's divert a moment and say, well, what are the issues they face if they're trying to help their kids get into a home? Just say they want to be able to put some money towards a house deposit. Yes. It means that they're depriving themselves of funds in retirement because if they're still working, they've got the option of working a bit longer to maybe recoup that money. Mm -hmm. But if they're very close to or in retirement, any money they might lend or give to an adult child reduces the pool of money they have to fund their retirement. So if you're retiring or retired at, say, age 60 or 65, you've potentially got another 30 years in retirement where you're not working, you're not earning an income, so yeah. you're relying on your pool of wealth. Yes. Also, if people are giving money away, it can have an impact on their Centrelink benefits. Yes, there are limits, aren't there? There are, yes. Yeah. So you can give 10000 dollars a year away as a gift, but a maximum of thirty thousand over a five year period. So some people might give significant money away five years before they reach age pension age, for example. Mm -hmm. So yes. that they, they kind of plan it. But you really have to look at the numbers and just see how much of a significant impact it will have because it's not always apparent at first blush. So one thing a planner or someone that you're talking to about your finances can help you with is doing some projections to see what the long-term impact of giving away or lending money is. Because if you do lend money within a family, there's not a guarantee that you'll actually get it back. Well, that's true too. <laughs> right? That's true. Yes, yes. And so where people are doing loans within the family, we always suggest that they have some kind of loan agreement drawn up doesn't mean they have to charge interest or anything. It's whatever everyone agrees is the best course. But I think if you documented it, put some veracity behind it because you don't want a family falling out over money. Sure. That can happen easily enough. So, yes. Yeah, that's right. Getting back to a retiree who can give away $10,000 a year for three out of five years, if they're a pensioner, do they lose the pension or something? Is that what happens? Not necessarily, no. So the gifting of up to 10000 a year, that's fine. So if I had $10,000 in my bank account and I gave it to you, it means my bank account's reduced by that and I might get an increase in pension based on the means test. Okay. But if I were to give away $100,000, yes. Centrelink still deem or attribute that extra ninety. So 10 I'm allowed to. Sure. The extra 90 they assume I still have for five years. So okay. I've deprived myself of that 90000 and I've not got anything back in return. Yes, and that's not a good way to go. Not for everyone, no. No, no. So you say there's not a lot of resentment among the retirees and they just see it as something they should do. It doesn't necessarily mean that they love every minute of it. Oh, understand that, yes. <laughs> I can get a bit tiring. That's actually often the case that, that, you know, people become tired. They're looking forward to retirement. They've worked many years and then they're faced with looking after elderly parents. So they see it as a duty and a responsibility, although not everyone does, by the way. You know, sure. you, you often got families of um, three or four children and often the responsibility falls on one or two. Yes. 
for various reasons. And usually the people that get the brunt of this uh, tend to be women. So you've got a whole lot of uh, factors there in terms of retirement, being retirement ready financially. Often women have had time out of the workforce or they don't earn as much or they work part-time, they don't have as much super accumulated. Sure. So they're usually the ones that are a little piggy in the middle. Okay. How does a family actually work this out or is it just someone puts up their hand? Or they're dobbed in. Or they're dobbed in, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I seem to think sometimes it's proximity. Yes. Uh, you know, you you might have, well, in my case, I'm one of three girls. Yes. I'm the oldest and I'm the one that lives in the same state as our older family members. So okay. there's that. There's also some people just more competent than others at doing these things. Some sure. just have more of an interest. It varies. And sometimes it's the daughters-in-law that take charge of things as well. So Yeah, it's kind of interesting that an in-law would take control. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have to be quite careful, obviously, because of the family, but they, they might just arrange meetings and go to doctor's visits with their mother-in-law or whoever it is. It kind of evolves. I don't know that anyone's necessarily appointed, although where powers of attorney come into play, so someone may have a medical power of attorney or a financial power of attorney, um, which means that they, they nominate or appoint someone to act on their behalf. Yes. But usually there's a discussion around that before that's invoked. Yeah, yeah. So what happens to retirement planning when this is happening around them? Retirement planning can get curtailed in terms of sometimes people actually have to stop work sooner than they expected due to a medical issue sure. from their of their parents. Sure. So financially, they're put backwards a little bit. We saw a lady recently who'd not worked for a couple of years. She was only in her mid-50s mm-hmm. because her elderly mother required um, more constant care and so she took time off work and that'll impact her retirement plans because she didn't earn an income in that time. Over that time. And it impacts more than financially too. Oh, it can be a real stress. It can be quite frustrating for people. It's, it can be very time-consuming emotionally draining, especially where, you know, you've got grandkids to look after as well as, say, elderly parents. Some people just aren't equipped to do it all and others just um, relish, you know, they love it. They really have the skill set to be able to do it really well. Thank heaven for them. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, we're not all blessed with those skills. No, we aren't. So is there good news in these kind of situations? I reckon there are. I mean, I see families really coming together a lot because of this intergenerational or the experiences around this. Yes. You know, um, children become closer to their parents. Sure. They see them in a different light, especially where you've got retirees so looking after grandchildren. Mm-hmm. There's a really nice connection created there and they're, they're helping their kids get back into the workforce after they've had kids. I think where it works really well is where there's a lot of open communication, where it's not taken for granted and where it's not abused, I suppose, and, and just overdone. Yeah. And actually, when you think back in our history, I mean, there were times when uh, parents often lived in their children's homes. When they got older, it was just as simple as that. You're right there, actually. I think um, what we see a lot in other cultures yes. is, you know, you don't have aged care. It's the families or the village, you know, quotation marks, the family is looking after each other. So you've got the intergenerational, the number of different multi-generational households. Yes. And I know in our family, in my in-laws, um, 
there were three generations living in the same house. You know, the grandmother looked after the kids before or after school or at least helped. There were five, five kids in that family. And then as the grandmother got older, the grandkids and the rest of the family looked after her. So yes. that's a nice way to be if you can do that. Yeah, sounds like it's a good way to go, actually. But not everyone would agree with that. Yeah, well, you've got personalities, haven't you? Different, <laughs> yes, um, that's true. <laughs> attentions, yeah. And also the houses tend not to be built to accommodate that these days, especially, say, smaller apartments and units yeah. that people are living in. But different cultures tend to look after their elderly in different ways. But the other thing, too, with looking after, you know, this intergenerational situation is the person, the piggy in the middle, doesn't necessarily have to do everything themselves. You know, they can outsource things like they can arrange for cleaners to come they can arrange for food to be delivered they can do all that so there is more willingness to outsource some of those services but you can't outsource everything yeah so here we have an issue where it can be very complex but it seems like most families work it through most do yes yeah i think that's what families do though right so yeah they prioritise things and sometimes they just feel that their priorities lie with their family rather than, you know, working longer to save more. Yeah, and that sounds like a good way to go. Hey, thanks, Anne. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. I've been talking to Anne Graham, CEO and Senior Financial Planner at Story Wealth Management. And thanks to you for listening to this retirenotes.com podcast. Mm-hmm.